Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 51. I can't believe it. Number 51 of a series of episodes that we've been calling Leading Others to Christ. Those of you that have been listening and, and watching, you know that during these episodes, we're going to be focused on evangelism. And we have a lot of goals with this, and it's been fun for me to see uh, all of the response and the, you know, the number of people that are watching and listening and the feedback has been really encouraging. But we have a lot of goals, and one of them is, is to stir us up. You know, sometimes we need to be stirred up, to be stirred up in love and good works, especially in the, in the area of reaching our family or friends, neighbors with the gospel of Christ. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana, where I also serve as one of the shepherds. Now, Franklin, for those of you that don't know, it's about 20 miles south of downtown Indianapolis. And uh, uh, so we always try to, to bring that up so people can got to get a picture of, I guess if you, you have to know where Indianapolis is. But but anyway, those of you that also know me know that uh, that I'm passionate about our, our uh, subject. I'm passionate about evangelism, and I have been ever since I obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in, in Owensboro, Kentucky. Uh, and ever since then, I've always strived to uh, get my hands on anything that I could, talk to anybody that I could about how they're doing their work, and and uh, but to use some some Bible phrases, uh, I've always been striving to teach others, uh, to sow the seed, to be a fisher of men, uh, to make disciples, to, to persuade men and women, and, and to teach others to teach. And I've been using this verse every time and probably will continue where Paul was talking to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. And the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, obviously, and women, who will be able to teach others also. And then later in that chapter, and I love this, he uses this phrase, talking to Timothy, to be useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So came up with this idea with uh, Matt Maldon uh, back when, uh, when the uh, COVID-19 stuff started, uh, to come up with this idea of, uh, uh, of doing this podcast. And what I wanted to do was to identify the men and women, the fellow workers who are out there doing this, the ones that are leading others to Christ. Once we identified them, to interview them, and we want to learn more about them, and we want to hear their story. We want to know who they are, where they are, why they're so motivated to lead others to Christ, and, and, uh, and all those type things. So we're excited today to have someone with us uh, that I'm confident we're going to learn a lot from. So get out your pen and, and paper. And uh, we have Chris Emerson with us today. Welcome, Chris. Hey, thanks for letting me be here, Dan. Glad to yeah. join you today. Yeah, we're excited. Uh, Chris works with the Lindale Church of Christ in Lindale, Texas. And uh, let's go ahead and jump in, Chris. Uh, we always start these out with what I call the old elevator pitch or short bio. Uh, for the ones that don't know, uh, Chris, tell everybody, a little bit about yourself, where you were born, how old you were when you became a Christian, and where you're working now. Okay. Uh, I was born in Houston, Texas. I've been in the state of Texas pretty much my whole life, as far as residence goes. I became a Christian when I was very young. I was raised in the church. Uh, not a big label guy, but you would probably call it the mainstream churches. Uh, was uh, converted there and, and in that till about the age of 12 or 13. And then 
my parents made a pretty drastic move and we went to uh, non-institutional work, very small conservative work. And, and that's where I grew up through my teenage years and met my wife through the church's system there and started preaching around the age of 21, half my life ago. I'm 42. So I've been preaching for 50% of the years that God has afforded me so far. Uh, and really enjoyed it. Worked at several five places in the Southeast Texas region. In terms of evangelism, I've worked at places where they have an average of 30 conversions a year. And I've worked at places or worshiped at places where they had had three conversions a year at max. I mean, there's, I've seen evangelistic culture in every corner of an auditorium and building. And then I've seen it where it was a very back burner topic. And I think mm -hmm. the Lord has brought me, I've been positives and negatives in the influence of that journey, but I think the Lord's brought me through that for a purpose. Well, uh, and then, I, I don't know if I told you this at the beginning, but I try to feed all things that you say. And that, that's what jumped into my mind is that, uh, thank God that you had the exposure to, to both, ex I'll call it both extremes, uh, where, uh, uh, because that that kind of feeds into what we're trying to talk about and do with these episodes is, uh, you know, is to be aware and not to be negative, but just talk about reality and that for whatever reason, and we do a lot of speculation, but for whatever reason, there's just a lot of places, unfortunately, where our subject is not talked about very much. And there's not much evangelism going on in, in various communities. And that's what, as I said earlier, we're trying to do is stir everybody up and say what what has happened here and we need to we revive us again, right? We need to be revived again. Uh, but I know that um, I, I know that from uh, uh, some of the sermons I've heard you preach and, and uh, listening to your uh, your podcast Excel still more and we'll talk about that more at the end of the interview today. but uh, that this is something that you're passionate about as well. And uh, and I know you're you're, uh, you're you're looking and trying to encourage people uh, to get involved. And let, let's do this first. Tell us a little bit about the Lindale Church. What tell us about the group there? Yeah, it's been great. I've been here for six years, almost on the nose. And when I moved here, it was a, a good church. Um, gr great preaching. Wayne Fancher was a fellow who'd been here sixteen years, doing a lot of work. Um, when I came here, they had a lot of good things going, um, but they all agreed that more of a, a culture for the community would be good, uh, more of an open door idea where, where people come in. Uh, I've got a good friend, Wesley Pollard, a shepherd and evangelist who talks about fish jumping in the boat, you know, like yeah. we, we needed to become a bit more of a group that welcomed fish to jump into the boat and we're glad that they were there. And, and they've had that in the past, but we, we put a lot of emphasis on that in the last six years. Uh, and preacher, Centric evangelism leads to short-term gains in preacher burnout. Uh, unprecedented number of young men getting out of the ministry full-time. And when you dig in, you find that things like evangelism don't become the culture of the church. They just become the focus of that preacher and the few people that he can rally up. Doesn't work, won't work long-term, it hasn't worked. So we've tried to really figure out how do we make evangelism who we are, what we do? If someone comes and says, hey, we're believers and we'd love to be a part of the Lindale Church, how do we make it to where they instantly feel that they're stepping into a teamwork community 
process. And um, I'm still working on me, so I'm not claiming to be great at anything, but I feel like as I'm growing, we're growing instead of like the preacher getting really good at something that the congregation relies on him to do. So we've been working hard six years and the Lord has, has blessed us in some pretty wonderful ways in this community. Well, that, that's so encouraging. It's, oh, you said several, you mentioned uh, uh, Wesley. We interviewed Wesley and uh, he did an awesome job. Job. Uh, he's got so many cliches. I, I need to, I need to call him. Just, I need to call him just to see how he's doing. But yeah, uh, yeah fish jumping in the boat you know one thing that you said there that i think is uh you said when you went there all you made the statement all of the the lindale group all of them agreed right all of them agreed that needed to do this uh, and what a powerful thought because that's the problem as you suggested there in a lot of places is that i've seen places where elders are not interested um preachers are not interested uh, and, and then where, like you said, maybe it's just the preacher that's interested in it. And it's just a, an extremely frustrating effort. Uh, and like you say, some will just throw up their hands, unfortunately, and go into secular work and even quit preaching. Uh, but I, I have learned that uh, in some cases the hard way. I've had, I've had people get upset with me and talking about evangelism. Uh, and uh, it's something that they're just not interested in doing. And uh but I think it's so powerful there that, uh, and you mentioned the culture, the DNA or who we are, what we do. Um, that, and if, so if I came, if my wife and I came to visit there, we would probably, what would we sense? Would, would, the, would the group be friendly when we walked in? Would, well, sure. And, and I, I think, I won't speak for this local group or pull out any particular person, but in a lot of non-institutional medium to smaller size churches, there is an element of fear that has been built into our DNA. If you want to talk about why isn't there more of a welcoming spirit? Why are we suspicious of that guy that just walked in? Why is growth something we look at with an expression like this? It's a lot of fear. And it, to me, just to me, it goes back to a lot of stuff from the 20th century, a lot of the battles that were fought between brethren and suspicion levels came up and divisions happened. And some of that was needed and important. And, and a lot of it maybe wasn't. But as a result, I, I think that growth is scary. You know, someone walks in the door and they claim to be a Christian, but they're from some church you've never heard of. We're instantly like, oh, that's we, we don't need that here. I mean, that's going to permeate the. When we're confident in Christ about who we are and how much we love the word. We don't live in church fear, local church fear. We, we had to get rid of that term. I don't care where you're from or what church you were in or, or what you believe about your baptism or this or that. Just come and meet right. us and then let's sit down and see. And you know what we figured out in the last three years? There is nothing to be scared of when you have people coming to you. They're they're coming to you because they they feel something and they want to learn the word and you sit down and show them the word like there's no guerrilla warfare effort here. There's not some like secret watchdog church society trying to decay you from one side or or super group of liberals trying to like rip Church of Christ off every sign and tech. That's that's not real. What's real is people walk through the door. So if you walk through our door and we knew nothing about Dan 
we don't need to know anything about Dan to be thankful that you're here and consider this an opportunity for something. Maybe it's an opportunity to convert Dan. Maybe it's an opportunity to welcome uh, an established brother and bring his wisdom to the table because we always have to be changing and growing. Maybe it's something else, but whatever it is, we're thankful that it's happening and we're not letting fear. Look, there are churches in Texas that are very proud of the fact that they have fewer than 100 people because things get really scary and hard to control and strange when you get to, no, can't have that. And part of it is making sure we don't ever fall into that kind of thinking. Well, again, so many things you said there. And, and I think, I don't think uh, you're right. I know you're right. Is that fear factor of to look at somebody. And I've walked into places before uh, where they turn around and people will look at you and give you, it's almost like the look. It's like, who are you? And, and not, not smile or anything. Uh, uh, and, and I've talked to people before where they visited congregations and nobody would even say anything to them. And I know we're kind of we're kind of touching on extremes here, but but I think you're right. Uh, and I don't know if I've heard anybody say it exactly the way you did. I've heard you know talking about the fear factor of well, I'm afraid to go talk to my brother, or my neighbor, because I'm afraid of what he might say, or I'm afraid I won't know how to answer her questions. Or, but when you talk about fear of even somebody, a stranger walking into services. That's a whole other conversation in itself, uh, but you're but you're right. I, I want you to touch on the. I listened to one of your sermons. Uh, you did a really good job, and, it, and I hope I wrote down the name: "Rebuilding the Broken Wall," where you were talking about Nehemiah and Nehemiah's story of rebuilding the Jerusalem Wall, and 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 the the all of the opposition and all of the stuff that he went through. Uh, and you were comparing it to the challenges of rebuilding the, the wall, if you will, or the work of, of the church and evangelism. Uh, would you share with us just a little bit of, uh, of, of, that, of that lesson? Sure. I love that study. Nehemiah is so rich. We asked the question at the end, are you a 90 or a 52? It's one of my favorite questions. You can ask an individual that question. You can ask uh, an eldership that question. Um, which is, of course, people say, well, what do you mean 90 or 52? Sounds like 90 would be better. It's a bigger number. Well, when you look at the story of Nehemiah, he found out that the city of Jerusalem, that they had gone back from captivity and they left the walls unrepaired and disrepair for 90 years, 90 years. They walked over broken walls because the community around them liked that. They liked the fact that they weren't fortified and the Jews liked the fact that nobody was mad at them. And so they kind of did their thing for 90 years. And Nehemiah shows up and says, this is not why God brought us back. God could have wiped us out, but he brought us back because he wants us to be his holy nation and he wants us to fortify our walls. So in chapter six, we learned that what the culture of the Jews refused to do in 90 years, Nehemiah got people to acknowledge their mistakes. That's really big. Identify what needs to change and do it together. Okay, we got to decide, hey, you know what? This is not where we need to be. This is where we need to be. And we're going to do it together. And we don't care what anybody else thinks. Four things. What they couldn't do in 90 years, they did in 52 days, less than two months. And I tell this, to, I don't care what your issue is. I'll tell it to you. 
It could be your whole life of it not happening. If you will identify and confess the weakness and what you need to do and get help doing it and don't care what anybody thinks, you can turn your whole life around in less than two months and build new habits in the whole thing. So I, I speak in terms today of evangelism and a local church. You might be listening to this thinking, that's just not our church. You know, we're, we don't get a lot of visitors. And when we do, we, we wonder about them and we don't have anything put in place. 52 days or 90 years, you choose. But the difference was kind of, you know, everything in terms oh, of those yeah. people. No, that's, that's so good. What a way what you did a great job there summarizing that lesson. Uh, um, but now that, it, uh, and I love, you know, I love questions and, and of course, Jesus, the master teacher, uh, he was famous for, uh, the questions that he would ask. And, uh, but I love that. Are you a 90 or a 52? Um, uh, now that that's a good conversation starter. Um, yeah. And just to get, I mean, just to get, you know, people will look at you and, and, uh, especially if you ask them that question, maybe, but to think about what can be done when everybody's on board. Uh, like you said, to identify the problem and let's do this together. And uh, when you see me looking down, I'm not, it doesn't mean I'm not paying attention. I'm making notes too. So uh, uh, I'm learning as we go through this. Uh, but no, that was, that was an excellent lesson. And, uh, and I appreciate that so much. In fact, if it's okay, I'm, I'm going to steal that and I want to use that sometime. It's, okay, thank you. Uh, steal doesn't sound right if I if I could use that one. Um, you know uh, something else that you said and I think this was in uh, one of your Excel Still More podcasts and I want to encourage everybody to go there and and how do, how do they go to it again? I would say any podcast app that you have um, you can search Excel still more. And if you're on Facebook there, we have a page where you can get to it as well by the same name. Okay, good. Uh, but one of the episodes there, and I, I didn't, I forgot to write down which one it was, but you were telling the story about, uh, you'll know where I'm going as soon as I touch on it, but I think it was a day long uh, workshop or a day long meeting that, that a group or that you had someplace and there were 50 or 55 men there. Uh, to be talking about evangelism and uh, you asked him a question at the beginning, I think of, of the day and, and you were kind of surprised at the response you got. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? I do. Yes, sir. Would you, uh, would you mind sharing that? Cause I think that's quite a, a telling story, if you will. Yeah, it is a telling story. And as you hear it, wherever you are, this is where we start getting down to solutions. Okay. Maybe you're listening, thinking, I want to see what we can do in 52 days. Remember, the first thing was we had to identify what our problems were. And maybe this story will help with that. It was maybe five years ago, and that's exactly what it was, an all-day event, a Saturday where I was asked to present to about 50 men. There were elders, deacons, preachers there on evangelism. And so I opened up with a series of questions. And it started with something like this. If you were to have a Bible study today. If someone said, hey, I'd love to come and study the Bible with you. I want to become a Christian. What material, what approach, like what system, what do you already have in place so that if they wanted to study something, you could hand it to them? Or if they wanted to work on it on their own, you could give it to them. Tell me what you favor that can get the ball rolling. And I don't know how long it was. 20 seconds, 30 seconds, no one raised their hand. There was no one in the room who said, 
this is what we have designed that works. And so I came back and I was like, okay, so what would you do you know, if someone came out of the woodwork today? And, and somebody said, well, I think I would, um, took a few seconds, but someone said, I think I would just start in the gospel of Luke. And I said, man, that's, that's a great approach, but you know, that's 80 verses. So would your strategy be to sit down and read 80 verses with this person? And of course that would probably not be anyone's strategy. And so then I finally got to my real question. I said, guys, that wasn't even my real question. My real question was if someone where you preached the church where you were, if a member there where you shepherd had an opportunity to study the Bible with someone, how have you equipped them to do that? What material have you taught them to use? What series of questions and passages have you equipped them to share? And I already knew what answer I was going to get because even the preachers, elders, and deacons struggled to come up with what they would do. One of them said something like, well, I would just kind of meet the people where they are, which isn't a bad answer. I mean, you do want to know that, but the casual member is not going to be probably gifted to do that well. And eventually you've got to get to the gospel anyway. So after you've done that, what's your gospel plan? And of course there wasn't one. So the first thing I told them was, wherever you are, wherever you shepherd or preach, it can be the big picture slide presentation. It can be Wesley Pollard's Three Promises of Abraham, which he's a master at utilizing. It can be the gospel message book that I like to use, been working on for a bunch of years, some data on it. But there has to be something. And I don't just mean like the preacher goes, okay, now I've got something. No, no. You want to share it with the whole church. You want the person in, in the eighth row sitting over there. You want the person who's been in the church for 40 years over there. Everyone needs to be familiar with this approach. Now, somebody says, well, maybe, maybe I don't like that approach. Well, then do two or three of them. But sure. it'd be better when I first taught this book here. I also taught the big picture slide presentation. And I also and I made that available to every single person and put it on our website. I also printed out Wesley Pollard's Three Promises, and I taught that, and I made that available. I don't care which you choose because it's all the gospel. You may right. even choose to just go through the gospel, but have a system you are familiar with. Uh, Luther Bollenbacher, preacher in Texas, says the, the seven-word question, the scariest question you ever ask somebody, and you know it, Dan, will you study the Bible with me? Because you might get that terrifying, unexpected response. Yes. Now what? We need like, our members to know now what? So we keep these printed up. We keep New American Standard Bibles right next to it. We hand them out. And that was the big, one of the two or three big things we've done here to change the culture. People ask me sometimes, I think you were going to ask me, what's my favorite conversion story? Like, what's the best conversion story in my life? I'll right. tell you right now. When I get a phone call on a Friday saying, from a member, saying, I just want you to know that I've been studying with Alyssa. And I say, Alyssa, oh, I think I remember Alyssa. Yeah, Alyssa. And we baptized her last night. That's my favorite conversion story. That's not <laughs> preacher-centric. Preachers get hit by buses. Preachers leave. The culture of evangelism has to be in the family. So uh, maybe I said too much there and packed too much no. in, but we need a plan, a, a church culture plan. And that's some of the stuff we've been doing here. 
No, I think that's so important and keep that up. But uh, I've run into that too, uh, Chris, different places uh, where there's no, there is no plan. And, uh, you know, I'm related to it. I remember asking a a brother uh, maybe eight or nine years ago. And I said, we were putting uh, some material or I wanted him to help me put some material together for, I was calling it a new converts class or equipping the saints class is what we ended up calling it. And I said, I know you, you know, you've been in different parts of the country. What type of uh, uh, new Christian or new walk in life or new, uh, new material have you been exposed to? And he it's kind of like the whole group, but he kind of looked at me and he went, I don't think I've ever seen one. And so the same thing is there, because as you well know, uh, once they become a Christian, I'm going to use your now what? Okay, you've got this new babe, this new baby. We know what it's like to have a new baby in the flesh uh, of all the work that happens. Uh, you know, there's work before, there's work after. But uh, but anyway, I, and I found that to be the case because in a lot of places, uh, the majority of the, of the conversions are the members of the uh, Christians. And they're already in a class. So if they obey the gospel, they just stay in the class that they're in. And, uh, and so I've found that to be true too. Uh, and, and so we work real hard on that of working with uh, congregations and, and now what, what do we do with this new Christian? Um, but now I think it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's like a, a, to me, a, an awareness type thing. And, and you've been, of course, I'm a lot older than you are, but when you start, looking and seeing what's going on, it, it almost uh, makes your head hurt from the standpoint of the, uh, where do you start, you know, in certain situations, yeah. maybe like, uh, I can't imagine what Nehemiah was thinking when he looked at the mess there, when he went back and looked at that wall. But uh, yeah. yeah, like you say, what identify the, would you say identify the problems and now what, how are we going to do this? Yeah. And Dan, you know, Nehemiah didn't start putting bricks on the wall. He couldn't do it by himself. And I would even talk about new converts. Um, I don't do a whole lot of new convert studies here unless it's somebody who I'm kind of know who I have a personal connection with. I try to help equip this church to do new convert studies. I know that today's meeting is not about preachers and burnout and what's happening in our country with men, but I am increasingly convinced that the pastor system in autonomous churches of Christ are going to do us in if we don't fix it. And that means you, I love the verse you use, 2 Timothy 2, 2. Timothy was an emphasis to get the group active in sharing the gospel, teaching the truth, cultivating people. I'm here to help energize the group to sustain themselves. Uh, I said this to a preacher in another state one time with some elders in the room. He didn't love it. You know, our job is to become irrelevant. Our job is for the elders to meet with us in a few years and go, Chris, I love that you're here. You know, love what you do. Thank you for equipping us to teach. And, and But you know what? We got it from here. And we want to support you to go and do what you did here somewhere else. I mean, that's not kind of the way we roll, I don't think. But because when a preacher leaves, it's always, you know, something like that. But yeah. what if... What if we got back a little bit? And I may stay here. I hope to stay here 20 or 30 years. I love it in Lindale. But I would love to be able for the elders to say, you know, we've got men who teach here. We've got men who evangelize here and women. We've got new converts. We would love to be able to tell you, why don't, you know, take as much time as you need to go help some churches develop a culture. Yeah. Because this church is 
doing this work together. So if you're in a church with 50 people somewhere in a rural Kansas or something, and you're thinking, how do we get there? You got to meet. Everyone's got to meet. Whole church. Sit down. Maybe somebody's living room and go, okay, how do we do this? Maybe you're thinking, boy, if we could just hire the right preacher. Well, he can help. But his whole job is to engage, get you engaged in the work. So what if you could even start that before he got there? What if you could say, let's become something and bring a man into that situation instead of let's bring a man in to be something for us. Right. And it's just a big difference. No, it's a huge difference. And uh, again, I appreciate so much you doing this today of, of just trying to you know what uh, Matt told me that looking at analytics, this was a few weeks ago, but over 5,000 people had listened, listened to the uh, podcast here. And, uh, and I'm getting friend requests from literally all over the world. And, uh, and some of these people, I don't know who they are from India, the Philippines, and, uh, you know, uh, but, uh, and I think a lot of it is different ones I've interviewed. They've shared it with their contacts and, and they've been overseas and different type things. So it's really exciting. But uh, there's just so much here uh, to talk about. And you know what? Matt's already held up his. We got five minutes left. <laughs> Can you believe it? That went not, fast. I know it. It goes fast. All right. I know. I know you. You, uh, you did the conversion story on, on what you like. But I, I want to let's let's zone in on somebody that you did teach and somebody that did obey the gospel. Who who is. Is there one that you'd like to share with anybody that comes to mind that you don't have to name a name, but it's certain, maybe a circumstance. Well, uh, there's just some great ones, people who are sick, people who were hopeless. There's just all of that. Uh, you know, when you talk about like a piece of material though, and it does, it could be anything and I'm not selling this or anything. I'm just saying, this is what we like to use. What I love about it is I've given that out and said, I'd love to meet you next Tuesday to study lesson one. And what's really interesting is what next Tuesday looks like. Uh, Sometimes they cancel. It doesn't work out well. Sometimes they show up and they didn't bring their material. But I remember one guy from Baytown who showed up to the building the next Tuesday. I love this guy. His name is Ken. He's great. Uh, He shows up to the building. He's got the book completely filled out all 12 pages and he's already wearing swimming trunks. And that's what I tell them. When you give somebody what they need to study, you go, Hey, go home and study this. Like you go home and read and see what God said. You can get anything from a full out cancellation to somebody showing up with a towel and like flower red swimming trunks ready to go to the water. Like the gospel can do that. So I always remember Ken, because you know what? He had a couple of days to study that book and he found what he'd been looking for his whole life. And I didn't have to, People say, well, you know, you need the preacher to do evangelism because he's got to say things the right way and word it this way and handle these challenges. Go read Acts 2. Yeah. This is as simple as it gets. Jesus is Lord in Christ and he can change your life. Uh, So I love Ken stands out to me, but really just a lot of stories like that. Uh, Yeah. Well, Lord willing, I'll get to meet you one day in person and I'd like to meet Ken. You know, that uh, that, that's a good story. Um, One of the things that we we always end our episodes with, uh, I call it the one thing, and there's there's more than one thing, but you've touched on several things today, but somebody's listening to this and they get excited and they realize, you know, they've let the fire go out in their life and they used to do it now, you know, and then, okay, 
I, I've got to get going again. I've got to get, I've got to start doing this again. And what would you say would be one thing that somebody needs to learn how to do to lead others to Christ? Mm. What a great question. I'm going to go with the trigger that you gave me when you first introduced it. You said they feel like their light's gone out a little bit. I'm working on a lesson for Lindo here on Sunday, on Sunday about being a light in the world and walking as light. But listen, you cannot shine if God is not shining upon you. You can't be warmth. You can't be illumination. You can't make a difference unless God is the warmth of your life, unless the sun coming up every morning is the most breathtaking moment of the day. And unless you are confident in your next step, not because of your wisdom, but because you believe that God's light shines on you. Listen to me. You've done so many things where God should have removed his light from you. Long ago, he should have left you in darkness to freeze to death, or he should have taken that light and incinerated you with it. He didn't. The sun comes up in the morning. The gospel shows the way, the love of God. We need Christians to feel that, to be completely overwhelmed by it. And now you have something to share. For a long time, I think in the church, and I'm not speaking of everyone, but for a long time, being a member of the Church of Christ is just where you go and what you are, and you're the one going to heaven and all this. And so, you know, occasionally you throw a bone to a lost person. That's not who we are. We're people walking in the illumination of the sun, the great sun, and spend some time connecting with him and understanding your unworthiness and his grace. And then look at a family member or a friend or a neighbor who's struggling and think, Ephesians 5, if the light of Jesus shone in their life, everything would change in a moment. Then you go shine the light on the darkness. You're not a police officer holding a high beam in their eyeball. You're going to them saying, Christ wants to shine in your life. And let me tell you, it's the only thing that keeps me going. Evangelism is not technical in its basic form. It's emotional. And I would just ask people to connect to the Lord in that way. And then you won't be able to stop yourself from sharing that message. Oh, wish I was in the area. I'd come, I'd come Sunday. That's going to be good. But you know, and, and I like the way you did that. Listen to me, <laughs> listen to me. All right. That's good. Um, hey, this, this has been so good. I, I really, I really do. I appreciate the time. Now, if one other thing, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, uh, is there good contact information where they could reach out? Sure. I would love that. Uh, if you're social media active, I have a Facebook page by my name and you can message me at any time. The Excel still more page. You can message there. Uh, we have a daily Bible reading page called a group called Excel still more a chapter a day and come join in that message there. Also, uh, my email is emersonk78 at me.com. Send anytime. Uh, would love a chance to talk and, and share. All right. So good. Uh, we've, we've talked, we try to keep these things down, but you know what? I, I've had several say, you need to make them longer. And I, every time I say, there's so much more to talk about, yeah. but maybe we, you know, we, maybe we'll do a follow-up with you, Chris. Uh, that would be great. Uh, but thank you uh, again. Uh, Tell Summer we said hi, and uh, 
uh, and uh, keep up your good work there and uh, we'll stay in touch with you. Okay. Thank you, Dan. You as well. I appreciate you very much on what you're doing. Thank you. Okay. Thanks brother. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.